morning to to worship you, to hear the word, to sing songs, to to draw into your presence. But most of all, we come to worship Jesus, to to be one as community, to be in His presence, to to just pour ourselves out before you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to to know Jesus Christ more through this time. Help us to know His salvation, know His love, His His sacrifice, the whole nine yards, Lord. Help us to know it deep down in in our hearts and souls and and in our very being, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to know him. Uh, Christ's name. Well, actually, help me to be faithful to the text and help the folks who are here to, to hear from you, Lord, to, to um, just be fertile soil for seeds to be planted in, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's one of those mornings things start getting stuck in my head and I lose track of what I'm doing. Um, years ago, I had a job... Uh, I, I've had actually quite a few jobs, but I, I worked as a youth pastor. I was a part-time youth pastor, um, and I made very little money, and so I had to have a second job to kind of supplement my my income. Um, and at the time, I worked in a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and it was a very uh, colorful job, not the only Christian bookstore I've ever worked in. Um, but um, with this particular place, I... Uh, I worked out front, and I, I dealt with customers, which was very different than working in the back of the warehouse or anything. Um, and one day I had, I had a gal come in to return some books. Um, and, and some of y'all have probably read them. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, did any of y'all ever read that? Um, the, one of my favorite books of all time, actually. It was uh, um, my wife, as a, as a Christmas gift, the first Christmas we were dating, she gave me a copy of of the whole set, and I, I still have it in my office on the shelf. It's one of my all-time favorite books, and it's this, you know, for those of you who haven't read it, it's this great allegory of of um, of Jesus, like, dying for our, our sins and, and freeing us from, like, the curse of our, our you know, fallenness and, and the resurrection and, and everything else. I mean, it is a powerful, like, book, isn't it? Um, this gal, she brought it back. She had bought it. Um, and she was reading it to her children as bedtime stories, and she didn't finish it. She got about a quarter of the way through, and she took the whole set and brought them back very angry and said, I bought these books here, and there's a witch in them, and they do magic, and, you know, <laughs> and this is not Christian. I need to, you know, I can't believe you would sell this to me. And, I, you know, I tried to explain it, but she just got angrier the longer I tried to explain. It was one of the weirdest experiences I've ever had. Um, but... I, I bring this up. Um, she was she was missing the point. Does that make sense? She was so busy looking for um, how this fit into certain rules about how things are supposed to be that she was unable to see like the bigger story. You all with me? Um, and the bigger story is a big deal. And this is something that's very common in the church. We see people who do this all the time. Um, we see folks who. Uh, uh, I, I have a friend that I met on on Twitter. Uh, I I know him really well. We've been trading emails and 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 whatnot for a couple of years now. But but he grew up in a very conservative fundamentalist home, and and his you know he left that that background and everybody shunned him. You know it's not like he like walked away from Jesus. He's just not attending this particular denomination and uses a Bible other than the King James and all these other things, and he's been shunned. And, like, like his biggest complaint is these are folks who worry so much about holiness and perfection that they don't love anybody, right? 
They, if you don't wear a tie to church, like you've clearly fallen out of grace. If you don't, you know, if you use a, a version of the Bible other than the King James, you're using a per version, not a version. I, I, I'm not making it. I, I had one of the, a fellow from this particular denomination explain to me that the King James was the most perfect version of the Bible, better than the original books written by the disciples. Um, but there's kind of a craziness attached to this because it's so focused on the legal aspect, right? Be as perfect in behavior and outward appearance as possible. Um, and that is how you, like, achieve grace. That's how you achieve, like, like acceptability before God. And there's another extreme within the church, like, where folks who, you know, well, the law doesn't matter. I love Jesus, you know, and so I'm okay. I can do whatever I want. And that's not right either. And as we work our way through John, we're working through just a specific little chunk of this letter that John is writing. And what John is doing in this letter, um, he is writing to a church that has had some major splits, all kinds of infighting. And what had happened was there were some teachers who came along and they began teaching things that were sort of contrary to the gospel, right? They were contrary to Jesus' core teachings. They were contrary to the teachings of the disciples. And there was a lot of fighting about it, and eventually these folks walked away and took a chunk of the church with them. And, and John is writing to address some of these false teachings, and he's sort of saying, hey, this is how you deal with these folks. And at this point in the letter, he has set out three tests. He says, listen, if you want to be confident standing before God at the end of time, like there's going to be a day Jesus comes back, right? It is going to happen. Everyone you have ever known will stand before Jesus one day. And, and that, is, that is going to happen. And it is going to be a great and terrifying day. Like it is just, I mean, like if you go by with what the scriptures say, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, importance placed on this fact that Jesus is returning and that there will be a judgment. And, like, and it's not going to just, like it's not going to be as obvious as you think it will be. In fact, Jesus said that in Matthew 25. We're going to talk about that a little later. Um, that some folks will stand before the judgment and he'll say, look, you know, you guys, I don't know you. Get out of here. And they're like, well, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name. We preached in your name. And we did all these things in your name, aren't we? Of course we knew you. And he's like, no, you didn't. You know, because you didn't, you know, you didn't love, you didn't love my brothers. You didn't love, you know, the least of these. You didn't love these people. And so you, anyway, um, like this is a big thing. And so John says, if you want to be confident, he starts out the first sermon in this short little like three sermon series. He talks about holiness. He says, listen, folks who pursue holiness, right? This is a sign that you're in the right spot, right? You want to look for indications like that you can be confident in pursuing holiness as a part of that, right? Um, now, John doesn't stop there because the next thing he says is he says, also love. Like these people who love, like they're following Jesus' teachings because Jesus teaches like love is huge, right? We love God. We love each other. Love is, a, is an earmark of a saved person, um, and now he comes to the third part, and this is where the church often gets lost, right? We, we manage a balance, um, or we're supposed to manage a balance, and, and it's easy to get confused in that balance. And so, like, as John sort of comes in on the last test here, um, he says, Beloved, and this is verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Um, a couple of things here. Um, he begins with this warning. He says, listen, holiness, love, and now this. And you need to test everything. And it's important to test everything because there are folks who have gone out into the world who are false prophets, meaning they have gone out and they have, like, 
taken the name of God and said, I'm speaking for God, and they've said things that are just out in left field, right? Um, there are a bunch of these in the, in the church these days. Uh, if, you, if you go to the uh, clearance section of most Christian bookstores, you'll find a stack of books from last year explaining why the world was going to end last year, right? I remember when I first started like going to church, I first became a Christian, I remember reading one of these books, and I was convinced that the world was going to end. And it, it really didn't. I, it didn't. You know, it was 25 years ago, and every book that I've read that's come up that said, next year is the year, has been wrong, right? Um, and and it, it's just, it is what it is. But folks, like, there are folks all over the place who say, well, God told me this. God said this. God has explained this to me. When I was dealing, I, uh, amongst Christian artists, like books, book, like authors, books, authors, yeah, Amongst Christian authors and musicians and pastors and youth pastors, it is a, a running joke about how many women will come up to pastors or youth pastors, what have you, and say, I've been praying and God has told me that I will be your wife. Well, he didn't explain that to me kind of thing because there are folks who will do this. They'll stand up and say, this is what God says. And in reality, they're often left field. And so John says, listen, lots of false prophets in the world. Don't just buy everything that's put in front of you. Don't just accept everything like, like as true. And he's already given us two tests. He says, listen, look for holiness. Look for, um, for love. But also this is what he's about to dive into. This is how we test spirits. This is how we test the truth of what someone is saying. Um, and y'all are aware of this, right? I mean, there are a lot of folks who will come along and say, this is what Jesus told me. You know, or this is what Jesus is about. And they'll come up with something that isn't. Actually, from Jesus, um, isn't actually in the Scripture. Um, in this case, these are people who look real, right? Who put on a good show, who present well, who you know dress the right way and say the right words and everything else. Um, in fact, Jesus warns us of this. This is uh, um, three times. These are in Matthew. Uh, Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, there are ravenous wolves. We don't see that many wolves around here, but we do have coyotes, right? And if you have sheep and you leave your sheep out in a field, what will a coyote do for you? (laughs) They will dismember your sheep, right? Which I think is why people around here shoot them. Because you don't want them to eat your cat or your, you know, your calves. They eat calves, right? I didn't think that was just out of left field. Um, and what he's saying, there are people who will come into the congregation, they will come into the church disguised as us. But in reality, they're wolves. And this is Jesus talking. He's saying, listen, be careful of these folks. Beware. There are false prophets. There are people who show up dressed as us who aren't us. They're here to devour. Um, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Um, again, Jesus is saying, and what's he talking about? He's talking about this idea that there are lots of people who will follow folks who are false teachers, Right? Um, there was a big TV evangelist in the, in the 80s, I think, who said that God would kill him if people did not donate a million dollars. And he managed to raise it. And it worked so well, he tried it again. Only it didn't work. And he didn't die, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> I probably I'll have a lot to answer for one day. Um, but in reality, that's a false prophet, right? Somebody who's teaching something that ain't right. Um, there are whole false religions, people who teach things that aren't about Jesus. Like we, we have them all around us, even in, 
even in Montana, they're here. Um, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform many great signs and wonders as to lead us as to lead astray even the elect meaning there are folks who will look very genuine they'll perform miracles and they'll look like the genuine article but they are not i found years ago i or actually last year i was in a pawn shop and i found a victrola i love old record players right and it was it was beautiful it was pristine it was it was perfect and i started looking at it and i realized that it was made in china but it was not meant to look like it was made in China. And, like, I, I looked it up when I got home. I actually called Jimmy, and I said, hey, Jimmy, this doesn't look right the way the speaker vents are. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a fake. And I took a picture of the label, like the little tag with the dog. And, the, and I took it home, and I looked it up. And as a matter of fact, it was a popular fake um, that was not worth the several hundred dollars they were asking. But it was a fake, a very genuine-looking fake. Um, this is in the world. And we're to be careful, we're to test for this, because we don't want this. We don't want to, like, toss our, honestly, toss our eternity on things that don't make sense. Um, things that are, like, like confused. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, this is our third test, right? He says, holiness, love, Jesus. And the crazy thing about this is Jesus is the balance, right? Um, we like to think about Jesus as, as sometimes we see Jesus, like there, you'll talk to folks who will talk about Jesus as though he was, you know, this, this law bringer. You know, and Jesus teaches these are the ways we're supposed to be. You know, don't even look at a woman lustfully. You know, you should be gouging your eyes out at this point. You should, you know, fire and brimstone and, you know, think the wrong thoughts, do the wrong thing. And this is, it's a mischaracterization. But there are other folks who will say, well, Jesus came to save everyone, and he did. So I can live however I want, and I'm still saved. Well, that's not actually what Jesus taught. Jesus talks about hell an awful lot, right? I mean, like, if you really te- read some of the things that Jesus taught, like some of it's really scary, and some of it's really hard. In fact, there are a lot of times people would come to Jesus and say, well, wait a minute, your teaching's too hard. I can't do this. Um, I can't follow that. It's too difficult. Um, but ultimately, what Jesus brought us, like, what Jesus brought us is this crazy balance. Um, and he made it possible for us to do it. Because Jesus, like, I, I can't perfectly do these things, right? Anybody here? Actually, all right, just the men. So one of the things Jesus taught was, um, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, Right? But I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in her heart, in your heart, right? So, like, how many men? Let me say the married men. We'll make it easy. <laughs> Never looked at a woman you weren't married to and thought, man, she's good looking. Anyone? It's a pretty high bar, right? It's actually an impossible bar. Um, but what Jesus does, Jesus, like, like lives this perfect life he dies for our sins he carries like the weight of all the punishment for every lustful thought and every bad word and every um thing i ever stole and everything i ever did wrong every like rotten thing i've ever done he takes all that punishment and in exchange if i am like his follower he changes me he makes me brand new he puts his spirit inside me my heart becomes a different heart right i'm forgiven for all my sins like if i if i'm his person I'm forgiven, I'm made new, and everything else, like this, this whole new creation that I've become. 
um, and I become able to have a new heart. In reality, there was a time when, like, I struggled with that. Like, looking at women, that is a hard thing, right, men? Um, I am so crazy in love with my wife. So I never, I struggle, I'm not going to lie, right? But I've hit this point where, like, I kind of, I, all I think about is her, just the way it is, right? And it's that way because I don't want to be a different kind of man, because I want to be like Jesus, and Jesus has made me this way, and this is the gift I have. And that is awesome. It's worth having. Um, it's a way to live because you're not chasing after the next bitter, bigger and better thing. Um, there are a lot of examples of this. I use marriage because I talk about marriage all the time because um, I do. I guess I'm a, a broken record in that respect. Um, but we know we know if, if a spirit, we know a teacher is right if, Excuse me, we know a teacher is right if they're teaching us that Jesus is from God, meaning that Jesus was God, that Jesus is God in the flesh, died for our sins, the whole nine yards. Anybody who betrays that or walks away from it or tells us honestly that there's another way to be saved is false, period, right? So you hear a preacher who talks about miracles more than they talk about Jesus? That's a problem. I listened to a great interview where, where this guy who was a TV evangelist who was being interviewed by a Lutheran pastor, and the Lutheran pastor was like, so tell me, how does someone be saved? And he's like, well, you just have to believe in the miracle powers that I'm bringing. It's like, no. What about Jesus? How does Jesus fit in? Well, Jesus gave me these miracle powers, and you just have to have faith in that. Well, no. What about? And in the end, he could never come back to Jesus. It was all about himself, right? Um, any pastor who talks about himself more than he talks about Jesus or tells you that he is giving you a way to Jesus or he's giving you a, a way to salvation that isn't Jesus is misleading. Right? It is only in Christ that we can be saved. A byproduct of being in Christ, right? A byproduct of being in Christ is we pursue holiness. It's true, right? I, I find myself regularly thinking about things that I do wrong, and I think this is something Jesus took punishment for. I'm made new. I need to be different. I died to that way of life. I've got to pursue something better, right? This is who I'm made to be now. I've got to be something different. I look at folks who don't do it as well as me, and I try really hard. Like, I look at them and I say, man, I love you. I struggled with that too, right? I somehow managed to love my neighbors because I'm awesome. No, because Jesus is in me. I'm actually really petty and horrible. Um, but Christ is better than that. Um, I'm going to skip over this next bit here. I did not end up covering it, so we're not going to do it. Um, 3B, this is the second half of verse 3. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Now, the word Antichrist is funny. It basically means against Christ, right? And it's a couple of times you see this presented. Um, sometimes it's Antichrist with a big A, right? Meaning like the proper Antichrist, it's like enemy of Jesus that will come into the world in the end times. Not what John is talking about here. Um, what John is talking about here is the idea that there are people who will come into the world and will oppose the basic message of the gospel. They will say, it doesn't matter about Jesus. You need to follow this. In this case, it was the false teachers. John is kind of directly calling out these false teachers in their community. Um, and he's saying, listen, um, these guys are teaching you that Jesus is not the Son of God. He's, these folks are teaching you that Jesus isn't the way to salvation. These folks are teaching you that you can be perfect, and that's how you achieve grace. Like, that's not where it comes from, Right? And so he's calling out these guys directly and referring to them as having the spirit of the Antichrist, meaning like what motivates them, what gets inside them and makes it possible for them to do what they're doing is this opposition to Jesus. 
Um, which makes sense, actually. The idea of two spirits, which you'll talk about in a minute, is really popular amongst the Jewish writers at the time. And it's this idea that, like, there are some things that motivate us one way or the other, right? Um, ever hear your kids say, the devil made me do it? Ever say that? <laughs> um, what drives us toward holiness, what drives us to love people that are unlovable, what drives us to be better than we are today, is the Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit of God indwelling in us, like taking up shop and recreating us from the inside out that makes us that way. The Holy Spirit motivates us toward better. Um, the Holy Spirit motivates us to, to not gossip. How easy is that one, by the way? Like, gossip is easy, isn't it? And it tastes good in your mouth, telling that little secret or saying why someone else is horrible and you're awesome. Um, like, it, it's fun. But it ain't of God, right? Ultimately, the Holy Spirit drives us away from that. The Holy Spirit drives us away from, from you know, doing our own thing and rebelling against God's law. Like, what John is referring to here is this idea that there's a spirit that is anti what Christ does. And this is what drives these false teachers. They are anti what Christ is teaching, what anti what Christ is about. Um, and they're in the world already. They're all around us. Um, little children, you're from God, and you have overcome them. Excuse me. You have overcome them, for he who is in the world is greater than, or for he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. Um, so what John is saying here, he says, listen, little children, referring to them affectionately and drawing them in and saying, listen, little children, don't be afraid of this nonsense, right? Because what's in you is better than that. Um, what's in you is stronger than that. What's in you is like superior to what's in the world. Meaning, and actually, he's referring to Jesus, right? Because Jesus says this in John sixteen three. John wrote both books. That's why they're both called John. Um, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, excuse me, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And what's John telling us? John's saying, listen, Jesus is in you, so you, you can overcome this. It means you can reject false teaching, right? Like you can discern right and wrong teaching. But it also means that you can overcome the sinful flesh that we have and this desire that pulls us toward things that aren't of Christ, that pulls us to hate our neighbor. Um, anybody, wow, anybody follow the news in the last couple of weeks? Just me? <laughs> I, I, it seems like vitriol and venom and anger are the story of the day, right? Um, or the week of the month. Actually, we should say like the last year. It seems like everything from the last year has been why my neighbor is horrible and God hates them. It's horrible. It's awful. It's, it's, man, it's disheartening. Ultimately, Christ has overcome this spirit in the world, and he's enabled us to step away from it, and ideally we would step away from it and make our hearts right. But it's beyond just like politics for this last year. This is your neighbor. This is your brother and sister. These are the your kids that sometimes drive you nuts. This is your spouse who sometimes drive you nuts and you want to strangle them. In reality, Christ has overcome this spirit in the world and in us and makes it possible for us to be better, to pursue holiness and to love each other. It's a tough balance. Easy to emphasize one and not the other. In fact, I'm betting that most of you all have encountered somebody who does one and not the other really well, right? No? Maybe? Um... 1 John 4, 5. We're almost done. I'm going to actually go short today. Um, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, 
and the world listens to them. Now watch this. Um, what John is saying is these false teachers who've come amongst you are from the world, and the world is excited, meaning like the people who are not the church are excited by what these guys have to say, and they're attracted to it. It's very interesting. One of the most common, like if you look at every like false teaching that has ever really taken root and been popular in history, all of them involve earning your way to heaven, right? Like the law. They involve eliminating the law altogether, right? Meaning like there is no requirement. You can be however you want, no pursuit of holiness. You know, Unitarianism is kind of that way, right? Like every, everyone goes to heaven. It's all right. Do whatever you want. Um, and then the third option is they always, always, always downgrade who Jesus is or alter who he is. Jesus isn't really the son of God. Jesus isn't really this. Jesus isn't really that. Um, these breakaways from Christianity, always one of these things. And the world loves it. These things are popular, right? I don't know why it is that anybody would be excited about the idea of earning their way to heaven. I cannot think of a worse thing in the whole world than having to be perfect. Anybody else with me? But it's probably the most common one in the mainstream church, honestly. We, we get wound up about this idea that I have to be and look perfect. My brothers and sisters in the church have to believe I'm perfect. It took me forever to acknowledge that I sin when I did sermons. I used to talk about traffic tickets because I'm a bad driver. Right, But it was a much safer sin to refer to than all the other ones. right? Because if anybody else knows I'm imperfect, then I might you know, be seen as imperfect. In reality, it's much better for folks to know you're imperfect because then you can lean on each other in Jesus and say, Jesus loves me, he loves you, we're in good shape. right? Because it's the only thing that makes me worthy. It's the only thing that makes any of you worthy. We're all rotten. Um, Paul predicts something like this. He says, for the time will come, this is 1 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And this is kind of the era we're in, right? We look for people who say things that we want to hear, and that's it. I did something really difficult this year. I read a book by an author I didn't agree with. And it was galling. Not a, like, pagan. He wasn't evil. There was nothing heretical in it. It's not like I was reading, you know, um, I was reading something horrible. It was just somebody with different, different perspectives on Jesus than I did. And it was really hard to read. You know why? Because we attract to echo chambers. We're attracted to people who say what we want to hear. In fact, we look for them. Um, I, I, uh, I, I met a guy once who was... Um, who jumped from pastor to pastor looking for one to give him permission to cheat on his wife. Like, well, you're, you're kind of wasting your time. None of us are going to agree with you. Like, you. You find the guy who does agree with you, but he was looking for somebody who would scratch that itch he had, right? Let me do this what I want. Let me do this what I want. Let me do this what I want. And there are people all over the place who will do that for us. I'll tell you, this is how you get rich by following Jesus, right? And all you have to do is send me a donation as a part of it. But that's itching ears. And in reality, anybody who steps away from Jesus Christ, steps away from the core message of the gospel, you are saved only by his death for you, by being remade by him, by becoming his disciple, by being made holy and loving people unreasonably. Anybody who defies that is itching your ears, trying to get something out of your pocket or trying to draw you away. They're wolves, as Jesus would put it, right? They're all over the place. Four six last verse. I am going to end early. 
Um, that's what everybody wants to hear from me. That's the itch to scratch. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this we know, the spirit of truth, and by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now watch this. Um, I went back and forth over this verse about a hundred times, right? Is it warm in here? Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I went back and forth over this verse a hundred times, and it can seem really self-serving, right? Hey, you want to know if we're someone? You know, you want to know if you're right if they're agreeing with what we're teaching? They're right, <laughs> naturally. But what John is saying is a little different. John was somebody who walked around with Jesus for three years, right? He was one of Jesus' primary disciples. He is actually the only disciple who stood at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus die. Everybody else ran off and hid, right? Jesus is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved. He leaned against Jesus' chest during the Last Supper. Like, John held this special position in relation to Christ. And he's not pointing just to himself. He's pointing to the disciples. He's saying, listen, those of us who knew Jesus and are relaying the gospel to you as he related to us, Listen to us because we're transmitting a message, right? We're transmitting a truth to you. Um, If I were to go around on Sunday mornings after church, we're drinking our coffee, we're hanging out, we're talking. I'm not going to hold on to them. I'm just putting them down. And I were to tell you how to properly fertilize your crops, a brand new way to do it right, who would actually laugh at me? (laughs) Um, I, I, I spread fertilizer on a regular basis, but it has nothing to do with farming, right? Like, I, am, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And do you know why I have no idea what I'm talking about? I don't farm. <laughs> I don't farm at all. I don't know anything about it. I'm completely ignorant. I could make up anything I want, and if I tell you it, nobody's going to buy it, Right? I mean, pick the profession, right? If I were to follow Tad around and tell him about wiring, you know, electric lines, you know, oh, don't stand in a bucket of water, it'll help. Yeah, that would be dumb. Nobody in their right mind would listen to me. Would they? No. Um, John is saying, listen, I got the truth from the horse's mouth, right, so to speak. I got the truth directly from Jesus. I know what I'm talking about. I didn't pull this out of the air. I didn't make this up. This is from Jesus, right? Listen to what Jesus taught. Listen to what Jesus brought forth into the world. Listen to what Jesus, like, has given us. This is the truth. Um, And in reality, like, it doesn't really make much sense to listen to folks who never met Jesus. You know, and are taking information that has nothing to do with Jesus. There's a lady, uh, Sylvia Brown. Y'all, she's a psychic. She had a, you know, and and say what you want about her, right? She wrote a book about Jesus. I I read it um, because I, 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 it's one of those, like, I can't stop looking, but I don't want to look. It was awful. It was ridiculous. It was insane. It was so contrary to everything the gospel teaches and everything the Bible teaches. She just pulled it out of the air, right? It doesn't make sense to listen to folks who teach like that. It doesn't make sense to listen to folks who teach outside of the Scriptures. That's why, by the way, the reason I go verse by verse through the Bible is because I don't want you to believe me. I want you to believe the Bible, right? Um, at the end of the day, this church was opposing people who are teaching otherwise, who are outside of Jesus' teachings. 
they were benefiting from like teaching. They were like profiting the whole nine yards, and they had separated the church. They were outside of the holiness test. They were outside of the love test, and they were way outside of the Jesus test. And John is saying, when you encounter folks like this, test them. If they come up wanting, walk away, right? If it looks like a sheep and it sounds like a sheep, but it's actually not a sheep, don't invite it to your, like, goats. <laughs> I guess because the Durgas have goats. Um, and the Holy Spirit will warn us. He will. Um, and he'll warn us through the scriptures because you can actually back up and test things against the scriptures, right? You can. Folks will tell you things. You back up and say, well, let's see what the Bible has to say in context. Uh, my challenge for you this week is, um, and I kind of I went about this one funny, um, because there are missing pieces in, in, in a lot of the way that like Christians approach God, right? We, we can easily mess this up. Um, and we can easily mess it up because we become so fixated on one thing that it isn't what it's about. Ultimately, all of what we do is about Jesus, right? If there's a thing to be fixated on, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' teachings. It's following Jesus. It's being like Jesus. It is this process of like sanctification where we become like Jesus walking around in this world today, right? Um, and I'm guessing you know these people when you meet them, don't you? They kind of glow almost, like they're amazing. They're loving, and they're stern on things that matter, and they're loving in how they're stern on things that matter, and they talk about Jesus all the time, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Like, this is what John is saying. Find these folks. Pay attention. Um, and my question for you guys is, like, look at your own heart and look at your own life and ask yourself, like, is this what I am? Like, is Jesus a part of who I am? Am I looking like him? Am I following him? Do I resemble him? If you put me in my business next to how Jesus would probably do my business, is it similar? If you put me and my kids next to how Jesus would probably handle his children, this means he didn't have to anyway, um, does it look like that? my marriage, my interaction with strangers, how I behave when no one is looking, right? Does it look like Jesus? Am I holiness? Am I love? Am I doing these things? Ask yourself this. And if you're not, like, fix it. Right? Fix it. Don't take it lightly. Don't put it off to the side. Don't say next year. Fix it. Um, because God has a tendency to wake us up or let us sleep. It's bad if he lets you sleep. It's painful if he wakes you up, right? It's a little like that at my house. You hear the alarm go off. If you hit the snooze button, it's going to go off again. The more times you hit the snooze button, the harder it is to get up eventually, right? Because when you do get up, then you've got to rush, and then you've got to catch up, and you've got to go through this process. We wake up from sleeping and not following Christ right. It is a painful thing to strip sin out of our lives. It is a painful thing to break away things that have nothing to do with Christ. It is a painful thing to suffer through, like becoming like Jesus. Um, and mind you, just being here, i got a quote. I'm going to close with this quote. Um, this is from Francis Chan. I believe the book is uh, Crazy Love. Um, he says, have you ever wondered if we're missing it? It's crazy if you think about it. The God of the universe, the creator of nitrogen and pine needles and galaxies and E minor, loves us with a radical, unconditional, self-sacrificing love. And what is our typical response? We go to church, we sing songs, and we try not to cuss. 
Is following Jesus about more than just that in your life? Is this a passionate, love Jesus, want to be like him thing in your life? Or are you just trying to cover the bases enough to get into heaven? Or so that nobody knows you're not bothering? I'm going to close in prayer and I'll, I'll let you all be. I guess I'll close with a blessing. Um, so if you stand up, we'll close with a blessing and a prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you'd be with us. I pray that you'd help us to be people who look like you. Lord God, not just look like you, but are like you. Help us to be inside and out, like body, soul, spirit, heart, mind, everything that we are to the very core of ourselves. Make us like you. Um, help us to be holy. Help us to be loving. Help us to be your children. Amen. And may you be people who, like this blessing, I'm, I, this is my blessing for you guys today. May you walk out of here. May you walk into your life and every day may you look more like Jesus. May you look more like the Son of God. May you point to him not just with your fingers, not just with your mouth and the words you say, but with your very life. May you emphasize that Jesus is Lord. Um, may you emphasize it in how you live. Amen.